Hello and welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast, hosted by When Wisdom Calls. We hope and pray this episode gives you insight and uplifts your spirit. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Shangum, shangum. So... This is going to be a fun conversation. So, there's many people that have a common misconception throughout uh, various religions, various denominations, and they believe that prophets can never get something wrong. That is biblically inaccurate. That is biblically inaccurate. There are various times, various examples in scriptures where prophets got things wrong. And no, there's a lot of people that say Agabus got something wrong, but that that's just a um, a heretical teaching. Because if you actually study what the texts say, Agabus didn't get it wrong whatsoever in relation to Paul. He was right. Exactly how he said. But people use this teaching to say he got it wrong as a as an emphasis of a heretical teaching that says there's a difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy, whatever the heck they are. Yes, they are two distinct libraries. Okay, you've got the Torah, you've got the Nevim, you have the Ketuvim, then you have the Brit HaKadasha, which is always broken up. So you have the Tanakh and the Brit HaKadasha. The Tanakh is broken up, as I've already said. Torah, Nevim, Ketuvim, so the instructions or the teachings, the prophets and the writings. Then you have the um, the Brit HaKadasha, which is the renewed covenant scriptures. And it says, you've got the Besorah, the, 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 um, the good news. Then you have the Tordot, which is the histories. Uh, then you have the Megingot, which are the epistles. And then you have the Revelation. So it's exactly, they are a library, a collection of canons. Okay, however, they are not different. They are not constructed by different gods. And so to teach that they are is a Gnostic teaching. And many of us must repent of that. Because people say Old Testament, New Testament, what the heck are they? Okay, they came in 500 years ago, they've been here five minutes and constructed over 5,000 to 6,000 denominations in 500 years. It's foolishness, utterly foolishness. But even in those canons, they are individual libraries, because the word Bible comes from Biblio or Biblioteca, which means library, which later became known as book which is consequently what a library should be filled with. But there's two libraries in the temple, the Megingot Chachamim and then the Sefer Britot. Sefer Britot is the Book of the Covenants, which is what the Bible calls itself. Makes sense. And then you've got the, uh, the Megingot Chachamim, the scrolls for the wise ones. But in the Sefer Britot, Britot is plural. Covenants. And you have the Torah, the prophets, the writings, the good news, the history, the epistles, and the revelation. 
One book though. And Baruch Hashem for that. Thank the Lord for that. But we need to get past this foolery. Because heresy is not the meat of the kingdom. And if you say it's the meat of the kingdom, repent of that. Because you don't know what the kingdom is then. It's like me going to a bank and saying, well, the bank, you have to give me video games for payment. It's like, no, go to a game shop for that. And if I walk into a game shop and demand books, they'll look at me and go and say, go to a bookshop. If you come to the kingdom of light and say, well, do the things of the kingdom of darkness, you're going to be told, if you want darkness, go over there where the dark one is. But if you want light, cast off the darkness and do the things of the kingdom. So let's stop conforming the kingdom to the ways of this world and start conforming our lives to the way of the kingdom. Because this world is temporary. It will pass away. And that's what we want. May the world pass away, but may your kingdom come. Okay, the ancients used to put it this way. And I'm talking about the ancients in the church. Take the world, but give me Yeshua. We have a hymn for that, legitimately by the name, Take the World But Give Me Jesus. So I don't understand why we bring so much heresy. Well, I suppose I do understand. But I also don't understand the fact that if you're seeking God, you will find him. But if you're seeking an idol, you will find all these explanations to prove idolatry. But if you're seeking God... God doesn't prove himself. You've already come to terms that he must exist for you to start to seek him. And if you accept the fact that he loves you, you also have to accept the fact that you must die to yourself. Which means you will be a very different human than who you were before. That's the point. Because if you think about eternity and actually start thinking about eternity, because there's a lot of people that talk about eternity... It's not even on point what I want to say. But anyway, we're going here because Yeshua is bringing us to this. If we think about eternity properly, then we'll start to recognize, well, I'm not going to be this sinful individual I am now in eternity. So then why don't we start changing and being conformed now? You're not going to bring your current state into eternity. You're going to be completely and utterly transmuted, transformed. And that's how we work outwork our salvation with fear and trembling. That's the why. Because we are in a constant state of being transformed. So let's start actually thinking about that and doing that on a daily basis. But anyway, we're speaking about prophets. There is a common misconception that prophets cannot get something wrong. But there are countless times in Scripture that we read of prophets getting something wrong. And I'm not talking about the, the prophets we have mentioned in our Bibles by name. Hence why I mention Agabus. Agabus got nothing wrong. And if you speak heresy, you will disagree with me. But if you read it and see the text simply says how Agabus prophesied is how Paul was arrested. Verbatim. Well, then you can't say, oh, well, the text says polar opposite. Because that means we went from a God that had a standard to a God that had no standard. Meaning he changed. But doesn't he say throughout the text, I am Adonai and I do not change? Thank God he doesn't change. Because it means he's trustworthy. 
which means you're actually able to have faith. Faith and trust are the same word in Hebrew, imunah. So I trust my God. I also have faith on him, but they're the same thing. I can't change them because they're the same word. Okay, but there's various times through Isaiah, even through Samuel. Um, actually, we even see, because um, Eli the priest was a prophet, and Elkanah, the father of Samuel, was also a prophet. Elkanah had the school of the prophets and handed it to Eli. So Eli, sorry, Elkanah received it from Samson, from memory, and then he gives uh, for a few years he has it and then Elkanah gives it to Eli the priest and it's he's the man of God that goes to to Eli and, and prophesies destruction at first because he became wicked you have all these things and you teach Israel in the way of, of prophecy and you teach him by the Spirit of God and you do not bring your household in order and because you do that and we're judged more heavenly than others because we teach he will destroy your family. And that's why Eli says, if it's good to God, let him do it. Because it's the truth. Who are we to lie? Who are we to argue with the virtue of our God? But then we see through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through Ezekiel, through Zephaniah, from memory, from Zechariah, definitely Zechariah, from Malachi, where he starts, God starts to use them to judge the prophets, which makes sense because they were all heads of the school of the prophets in their respective days. And they all say, you prophets of the people. And a lot of people will translate that to be prophets of cults. That's why he doesn't, that's why he specifically says prophets of the people. It, he doesn't say you prophets of Baal, you prophets of Molech, you prophets of Asherah. He says you prophets of the people. Same thing when he says to the priests, you are the priests of the people. Meaning you have put the people above me. I have called you and you were faithful at first. But now you've put the people and their thoughts and their opinions and their comforts and well-beings above my command and my worship. Okay, There was thousands of prophets and thousands of priests that did that. And he said that these were the people that did violence against my Torah. Okay, again, the word Torah doesn't mean laws. The word Torah means teaching and instructions. So these people, when they distorted the covenant and the worship by putting human conditions above the condition and the nature of our God, then started to conform the teaching to say, our God will do this for you. They did violence against and the word violence also means to manhandle to coerce forcefully and of course they did but what did he say to all of them you were all whitewashed graves whitewashed walls you blind the people and because you blind the people and you do violence against them in the covenant by putting them above me i will judge you and I will destroy you. I will remove you. And no longer will you see visions. No longer will you have dreams. Jeremiah even goes so far to say. If a prophet comes to you. And speaks a message of peace. And doesn't bring a sign to you. He's lying to you. And beware the prophets that only speak peace. 
for they speak to you with a lying tongue. And if scripture doesn't change because God doesn't change and his name doesn't change, it means that's not done away with. That's a warning that is still here for today. But then people will argue, but what about the edification, the, um, the comfort and the um, encouragement? Well, let's break that down. The word comfort in the Hebrew actually means to lead. Okay, that's it, but it's a word that means to lead a flock. Because if your flock, using the parable of sheep, if sheep are not at peace, they will not move. And if you hit them, they will run in a different direction. And so they must be comforted, they must be reassured, so that they can move. And Yeshua uses this example in the desert. When the Israelites have just started to complain, saying, why don't we just go back? He says to Moses, correct them and comfort them, and I will lead them. And so he goes and he gives this very scathing word, but it brought comfort to the people. Because even though the sheep were getting smacked, they could see the rod, or they could see the staff, sorry. Which was direction, and it led them back to the Father. And they had peace, so they moved. That's the word for comfort. The word for encourage means to make yourself strong, to strengthen yourself, to make yourself firm, that you're immovable. And the word for edification is the word that actually means to chastise, to make straight what has been bent out of shape. Has nothing to do with pampering to people's dysfunction. Has everything to do with breaking dysfunction and getting people back before the Father because, as Paul says, those that focus on themselves and are inward focused are dead people walking. And God considers them dead. He says that to Timothy and Titus. Beware of those that focus on themselves or mourn for things, but they are inwardly focused and they never heal and they never move on because they're already dead people and they will not take correction. This is how you can attempt to correct them, though. But they're already dead sheep. Because they're preparing for their passing. Instead of looking to the hope, knowing the future, and going and setting up things for generations. And so when the priesthood, when the prophets, pamper to the people who are inwardly focused, instead of correcting them to bring them back to the Father, you are allowing dead people to dictate the covenants of life. And in scripture, he called those people the prophets of the people. The people are the idols here. The nation was the idol. Because an idol will stop you and distort the worship, proper worship, causing you to even create denominations and sects. Which is why we can say, and which is why the scrolls also talk about the Pharisees and Sadducees were idolaters. Because they created their own teachings, distorting that of Torah. Which Yeshua also says, and he affirms, that you taught my Torah in the way that I never intended it to be taught. Therefore, idolatry. But we have thousands of them in the church today. And we have millions of these prophets who are simply prophets of the people. They're idolaters. So again, people have this misconception that prophets can never get anything wrong. No, that's false. 
as soon as you become a prophet of the people, as soon as you stop dying to yourself every day, as soon as you stop realizing that you're simply, this is why he called the prophets, son of men. Okay, yes, he was alluding also to the coming of Messiah, who was indeed son of man. However, when he called the prophet son of man, he was telling them to revel in their weakness. Because in your weakness, my spirit will perfect your strength. Which is why he says to Zerubbabel, It is not by your might, nor is it by your power, but it is only by my spirit, says Adonai Zerot. And as soon as the prophets forget this, you will get everything wrong. Some things possibly right. But as the patriarchs say, even if you obey the will of God, but you do it from the heart of, the, of darkness, you only build the kingdom of darkness. You do not build the kingdom of light at all. Thus you're a hypocrite. That's what the patriarchs of Israel say. Specifically, Gad and Asher. And from memory, Yisachar. And Judah also alludes to it. And so does Levi. Noah definitely speaks about that. And so we have millions of these prophets who are prophesying opinion. And teaching falsely because they care about the people's peace. That's falsehood. The word for false in the Hebrew also means an exploitation. The word for divination in Hebrew means an exploitation. You're exploiting the people. You're fattening them. Which in turn fattens you. Which is why I get very frustrated at the terminology, my ministry. It never belonged to you. It is given for a time, but it's your service to God. That's it. The word ministry means to serve out of friendship. There's many people, millions of people with a ministry. They're not serving God out of any form of intimacy or any form of friendship. And they're dreaming if they think they are. How do we know this? Because they're paying for themselves, asking people to pay for themselves, instead of trusting God to, to prompt people to, to, to give you first fruits and the things he says in his word that he would, he would give. The prophets are calling for feasts and then partaking in the feasts. Whereas we've been told if a prophet calls for a feast, they are to abstain because they are not part of the people. Their feast is different. We have prophets doing this and that in churches and then partaking where we have been told do not partake. It's the same thing if a prophet prophesies judgment, whether the judgment becomes of grace or of wrath. We're separate. So we cannot partake. And we see this with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is taken and protected by Nebuchadnezzar during the scourge of Jerusalem. He was freed from prison because of that. He did not partake in the judgment. He watched it, but he was not eating the pie God was serving to Israel. We're not called to pamper the people. We're not called to prophesy delusion. We're not prophesied, and uh, we're not taught to, or told, or called 
to teach opinion for the sake of bringing peace. Oftentimes God says, I'm actually coming with a sword to rob from peace, to teach you the fear of the Lord by which you have a lasting peace. We're afraid of the hard things, but the hard things is what gives us the good pleasures. Who here has ever tried gardening and expecting a harvest when you've put no seed in the ground? If you go and water the soil, you're doing it in vain. But you're doing it to appease some wickedness in your heart. It's what the patriarchs also say. So can prophets get things wrong? Absolutely. And if we are not humble, if we do not die to self, if we do not pray daily, may you be more important and I less important. If we start to delude ourselves and think that we're bigger than we actually are, if we stop, if we stop remembering and realizing that prophets are to be stood on, hence why it's a foundation. What is a foundation? It's a flaw. And I don't mean people walking all over you, by the way. I'm talking about people standing on your shoulders as we carry them towards God. If we forget that we're under people, not above them, then we'll start to forget that we are actually submitted to God and He is our portion, He is our reward. Those that walk in the priesthood are concerned only with the heavenly things because the earth is not our portion. It says that all throughout scripture. It says that all throughout patriarchal writings. As soon as you walk in a priestly service, which prophets are a priestly service, especially in Melchizedek's order, your portion ceases to be the things of this earth. Which is also why it's wickedness for a prophet to ask for earthly rewards. You call for the blessing of the Lord to be amongst the people, but your blessing is to watch how people are honored by the one that you already know. The blessing is to watch them come to know him in the same way you know him. And then he gives rewards in his own way. But we are not to ask for any of these things. But we're also meant to have a culture, because it is a kingdom, mind you, we're a nation we're meant to have a culture, and our culture is the will of the Father. And I can tell you there's many people estranged from this, especially a good chunk of the prophets today, because we are so deluded by speaking opinion. I have an opinion on this, I have an opinion on that. whoop de do what's the Father saying? What's his will? And it's frustrating that two prophets can get two different wills. It's like, okay, well, which God do you serve? I can tell you it's the people, because you'll find the will is in line with the people. Hence why they're called prophets of the people, instead of the prophets of God, the men and the women of God. That's why it's a privilege to be called a man of God, and there's millions of people being called men and women of God that don't deserve it, because they're not. They're of the people. And the same corrections and judgments are affording these prophets of the people. The same things that he's already declared in times gone by. They will lose their visions. It's not because God doesn't care. They, again, they started off faithful and became wicked. 
Wickedness is simply... Can I just say, people expect wickedness and righteousness to be really, really big things. They're not. Wicked things and, and, and righteous things are actually in the minute details. Point in case. When Uziyahu, or Uzziah, went to help catch the ark, he thought he was doing something righteous. To God it was a wickedness, but it was a small action. And yet he died for it. Look at the foolish man's wife, Abigail. Comes to the king, David, with food and says, forgive my foolish husband, and then leaves. <laughs> a minute detail, a minute action, but that was righteousness. Stayed the king's anger. David cut a garment of the king. And he wept and he said, I am a wicked man before God. People go, oh, you just cut a bit of his garment. No, that was a wicked act. And he repented of it. But we have to start realizing that wickedness and righteousness are in the minute details. And if you don't fix the course, you're thinking you're going this way, but you're going that way instead. Don't get caught up in the lie that wickedness is a big thing. Look at Hezekiah. His wickedness started off with a small rivalry. And it ended with him seeking to be Messiah. Then it ended with him getting leprosy. Sorry, this is another Uzziah. Sorry, not Hezekiah. So it ended with him getting leprosy. And then dying from it. But it began with a small rivalry. And it ended with him trying to fulfill messianic prophecies. Very, very stark differences. So truth and falsehood are really not far apart. They are a very thin line. Which is how you can have prophets starting off in righteousness and ending off in wickedness. Which is why it says, we're told, it doesn't matter how you start the race, it matters how you finish it. You can be righteous for 80 years, die at 85, and the last five years you were a turd. You were wicked more than anyone else. Or God says, I forget the righteousness. I remember how you finish your race. It says at various times throughout scripture. You could be wicked for 82 years, spend three years righteously. He forgets the wickedness because you've repented before him. But it's a fine line between the two. As soon as we stop dying to ourselves daily, as soon as we cease praying to him and seeking him and spending time with him, as soon as we get deluded and say, well, I've got a life to live and I need to do this, this and this and have all our responsibilities, over that of our responsibility of intimacy with God, which all things should flow, as soon as that happens, you're walking in wickedness and becoming closer and closer and closer to becoming a prophet of the people instead of the prophets of God. It's as simple as that. That's why wickedness is so rampant, because it starts off in the small things until we become numb and we go to bigger things. Like, you know how Hitler got so many people 
to start doing wicked things in World War Two. It started off with very, very, very small things to the point it became a numb, a numbness by the time they started killing humans. And every time they killed humans, there's diaries of this from Nazi soldiers. They said every time in the in the army entries, but I'm my conscience is clear because I'm just following orders. So he went from very small, minute changes in society to eventually becoming numb in the killing of humanity and the destruction of lives and families and genetic tampering, which Adonai brought a flood on the earth for. It started in the very small things. Trust me in this. Trust me in that. <laughs> All about household things, household issues. And then it became an international slaughter fest and people were fine with it. To the point that most of the nation was loyal to the war. And they said, and there's still survivors from Nazi Germany today that still think it was the right thing to do. And they're not repentant of it at all. Because it started with the minute things. Wickedness and righteousness are in the small details. They're not the big actions. They become the big actions. And so in the same way that these people were led astray in Germany is the same way that the priests and the prophets were led astray in ancient times. And they stopped serving God. And they started only serving and thinking about the people. And God then said, well, you're no longer mine. And because you're no longer mine, my spirit's no longer with you. And because my spirit's no longer with you, you will no longer prophesy. You're a whitewashed wall. You blind the people. You do violence against Matova. And so I'll remove you from the nation completely. You forfeit your heritage. And he will still do that today. Had a very hectic night of him just talking about how he's been judging the prophets. Because we need to we need a good kick in the backside. Like we have created documents for whole movements to sign. Which effectively says that if prophecy is this, it's not prophecy and God won't do this anymore because he's changed. Who are we to change his teachings and to say of the one who says I am who I am, to say well this is what you are now. Who are we to presume that we have so much authority under the heaven that God himself will roll over and serve wickedness? No, repent of that. Destroy that signature. Because I can tell you, <laughs> instead of simply creating doctrines and creating doc documentations as a shield to protect things, just teach people properly. It's not that difficult. You have to die to yourself, though. So the quicker you are to shove this you shove this blade straight into your heart and you are no longer who you are and you are being transformed because of it the better do it because there's people that say let's not prophesy mates and dates and all these things it's like yeah okay I can understand the why's because people are just useless and reckless when it comes to prophecy we're all about the popcorn prophecies and the machine gun prophecies but not about the actual prophecy itself we have no reverence for God so who are you then, if you have no fear of the Lord, to go and then stand on a platform with a microphone? 
And who are you, a teacher, if you're a teacher of prophecy, a teacher of the word, and you create these doctrines as a shield, so that reckless people don't become reckless, well, how about you stop imparting gifts, as we're told, don't be hasty to lay hands and give gifts, and start teaching people character. The apostles would wait a very long time before they ever dreamed about giving gifts of the Spirit to people, unless they could find that the people were willing to wait on God. For goodness sake, there was a three-year mandatory discipleship period for any new convert. Most of them didn't get baptized in spirit till afterwards. Okay, the Jews are an exception because we already had a concept of the word. And they had one year, for the most part. But when it came to the Gentiles, and some of the Jews that were effectively Gentiles, there was a three-year mandatory discipleship. And you were not baptized in the Spirit until afterwards, unless the Spirit said, they're ready for my baptism now. And they were not baptized until they recognized in reverence what things were. Why are we giving holy things to children who don't know how to handle the weaponry of the kingdom? Stop it. Repent of it. Because the more we give children automatic weapons or weapons with fire, they will burn down houses and most likely shoot themselves with it. And we're seeing that in various denominations, various churches, affair after affair after affair after affair. Because we're all about gifts. God's not about the gifts. They're a gift for a reason, but we use them for a curse. He's about your character, your being test-proof. And if you're not test-proof, move aside. Because you're the reason the accuser is able to come and haggle and destroy the kingdom of God on earth. Humble yourself to it. And if you can't see it, that's the issue. And if you can't discern that this is true, that's the issue. Because you're really, truly distant from the one you should be close to. Humble yourself. So leaders, you prophets, most of you are prophets of the people, and I'll address you as such. If you want to be prophets of God, teach character, teach the word, not your opinions, not your doctrines. Preach truth. Isaiah makes a distinction. Woe to you people who create doctrines of man thinking it is my truth. Then Yeshua quotes that to the Pharisees. Woe to you. Doesn't Isaiah prophesy about you saying that you create man-made doctrines thinking it's my truth? So throw your opinions to the fire. Throw your doctrines and kill them on the altar. Learn truth. Teach truth. We will have less issues in the kingdom if we teach well. Teach character, not foolish gifts. Yes, desire the gifts. But desire, this word for desire, means to have a longing that causes you to grow. Desire to be like the Master, Yeshua. You're not going to become Yeshua in a day, but your longing to be like him is what shapes you to becoming like him in stature, in character. There's a lot of repentance we got to do.
There's got to be a lot of offended people and good. We need to be offended. <laughs> because the thing about lies is you can't offend a lie. You're not allowed to offend a lie anymore. Which is why the accusers win so much. Get offended. Recognize that you, what you are. We are simply people that mean nothing until God says you mean something. And people would say, but I mean something to God. Okay, yes. He formed you. He knows the plans you have, he has, you have for him. Or he has for you, rather. But he also says, people that don't do my will, they're, they're my enemies. Which is why only those that do the will of the Father are those that go to heaven. They're the only ones saved. There's a lot of people that will go, but I'm saved. Why are you doing the will of the Father? If you think you are, but you don't know, then you're not doing the will of the Father. If you're reading the Bible and your life's totally different, then, sorry, you're not doing the will of the Father. Because the culture of our kingdom is the will of the Father. If you look different, you are different. But repentance changes things. When we recognize that we need help, that we truly are far, and we currently are his enemies, well then the accuser can no longer blind us. Lies and offense mean nothing to us because we're tired of the things of this world. I want my God, and I'm hungry to see more people who want him too, but we have a sin issue, we have a reverence issue. We are okay with sin as long as we're not offended. And we forbear too much that we're told do not forbear. And we now have leaders who are gutless. Because you put the whims and the thoughts and opinions of people. Like who cares? People will try and cancel you. Okay, that's fine. Who cares? In my lifetime, I've had hundreds of people try to cancel me. Doesn't matter. I don't focus on them. I give thanks to the one who sent me. And I say, well, I put it in your hands. And then he sends me somewhere else. And I go. And these people over here, raging and trying to counsel. No, oh, he has to shut up. We have to stop him from talking. He's spreading lies. Guess what happens to those ones when you listen to God? He shuts them up. He brings them to repentance. All he asks you to do is do his will. So if you're a prophet of the people, repent of that now. Or he will be removing you from office. And if you're a prophet of God, keep going. But do not forget to humble yourself daily. Remember that you're simply a man and he's chosen you to go forth. But that doesn't mean that you're better. We have to recognize what it means to be chosen. What it means to be chosen is we're meant to be the one that's lighting the way or showing the way back to the light. Like Israel being the chosen people, meant to be the light to the nations, their goy ha'or, or or ha'goyim, they're a nation of light and a light to the nations, to say this is how you worship God. That's what it means to be chosen. You become a lampstand that says, this is how you worship God. Come here. If you're not doing that, it's a distortion. And by definition in English, 
and etymology, that's what it means to be corrupt. It means to forget your purpose. And there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that have forgotten their purpose, therefore we are corrupt. And he's done with this. He's saying, I want you to now come to my standard. So if you're a prophet and you're finding yourself offended at this good, but don't just throw the words away, seek him and you will find that what I am saying is from him. When he first said this to me, over a decade ago, I was offended because he said stop listening to these people because they whitewashed walls. I was offended. How could you say that about your people? And then he said they're not my people. If they were my people, they would be about my father's business. Quick smart, I learned not to be offended at that kind of correction because I want to be about his father's business because that's our culture. We do the, the will of our father in heaven. So seek him, you will find him. Toss away your idols, you'll find him quickly. Listen to his word. Read this properly. If you want to know what truth is, stop adding your truth to it. Your truth is a lie. If you want to know what the, the mysteries of this are, you're not going to learn any of the idioms or any of the cultural context based upon your idolatry. It's like me seeking the Quran or the Nagma Hadi, so the Gnostic writings and the Muslim writings, to find Yeshua, to find how to worship the God of Israel. It doesn't work because they're lies. So why do we seek this and then go to the documentation of our idolatry to seek the truth of this? No. He is who he is. Emet or truth stands regardless of how much you try to make it stand or push it over. So if you're a prophet of humanity, if you're a prophet of man or a prophet of the people, you're an idolater. Beware of the hypergraces. Beware of solely doom and gloom. Beware of all these other things. Seek him, you will find him. Speak his word. It's not that hard. But the cost is this, die to yourself daily. Because when you die to yourself, you cast off your own will. We only have shoulders enough to carry one person's will. And his is the will we want, because that keeps us in the kingdom. And we're told, grow yourself in the most holy faith. Outwork your salvation with fear and trembling, lest you lose it. the fact so that is Adonai's will we have a lot of reconsidering to do and there's been so many people I've deconstructed my faith well that's a great deception congratulations I've deconstructed from this and that well did you do it with God most people say well I thought about it myself great your thoughts are deceit if you're not doing it by the spirit with the spirit it's a lie so if you've deconstructed recently, you're going to have to reconstruct. Because now you're walking into paganism. And that's dangerous. And we're told, don't mix philosophy with the way. Don't mix paganism, mix paganism with the way. Don't do that. 
Don't mix heathenism with the way. Don't. Just leave the way as the way. That's it. If you walk in the way, there's going to be things that don't make sense and other things that don't. But thank God he gives us his spirit, so the things that don't make sense he can explain. But that's, that's our role. Is to seek him as students. So do that. Don't be a student of a house of thought or a denomination or this and that. These things are dying soon. He's uprooting them. And you don't want to be found lacking in that. Seek the way. Seek him. Only him. Because again, falsehood and, and truth is a very thin line. It's in the minute detail. So be careful not to get caught. But you prophets of the people, repent now, and you will become men and women of God. But he's not going to bring you anywhere without your repentance. So go in Shalom and say, Nah. Adonai, help us. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Olive Tree Podcast. Your support means the world to us, so we're thankful that you joined us today. We are grateful to be able to provide this resource and many others to you for free. That being said, if you feel called to support our ministry, you can do so by heading over to whenwisdomcalls.com and click on the Give tab. Want to know more about what we do and how you can get involved? Well, you can check out our website for more details, whenwisdomcalls.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.